Hey everyone, this is Jeff Steele, and today we're reading Matthew chapter 23. So, normally, what I would do is I would start by reading the text, and then I would comment on it, but today I'm going to do this a little bit in reverse. And the reason is because Matthew 23 is maybe the harshest teaching of Jesus in the entire New Testament. So, buckle yourselves up for this text. I think about... um, Arguments, listening to people have an argument, you know, have you ever heard somebody just verbally destroy their opponent, you know, um, to the point that even if the person they are challenging was really a bad guy and clearly in the wrong and they needed to be put in their place, have you ever heard a verbal thrashing so severe you almost started to feel sorry for the person on the receiving end? Like, yeah, what they did was wrong, but wow, did they ever just get destroyed? Um, reading through Matthew 23, I get a little bit of that. Like Jesus is unrelenting. His words are sharp and they hurt and they are very specific. There is no mistaking his judgment here. Even though um, we're reading this 2000 years later, And even though the criticism, some of the criticisms are about practices that are kind of lost to culture. Um, And so, you know, they might not be fully immediately apparent to us. Even so, a surface reading of this text, you can feel the heat from Jesus's words. There is no misunderstanding of his intention there. So our response to uh, something like this is going to be one of two things. We might, um, as I already mentioned, we might feel bad for the receiver. Like even if we disagree with them, even if we think they're in the wrong, we can feel a little bit of sympathy for them just from the sheer weight of the criticism. Like, yeah, what you did was bad, but man, I would not, I would not want to be on the receiving end of what you just got. Um, The other response would be to really fire up and cheer. You know, like, go get them, Jesus. You tell those guys. You tell those bad guys how bad they are. Like, um, you know, lining up behind somebody and cheering and egging them on. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what you get. Um, we might want to cheer on the winner of the exchange and pile on the loser. Um, reading the text, though, I'm not sure that either of those responses are entirely appropriate. Um, and, and it's not because Jesus is being unfair, right? It is Jesus who is doing the criticism. So we can be pretty confident that he's in the right. Okay. We don't have to wonder, man, was he out of line? Uh, like, okay, you know, Jesus back, you know, it's a little harsh there back off. Maybe, um, We don't have to wonder about that because Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. And we can be sure that his judgments are just Uh, my judgments and your judgments. I don't trust so much, but Jesus's judgments, I'm pretty confident in. I do think it's worth noting that um, of all the people that Jesus interacts with in the New Testament, it is the religious leaders that he's talking to here in Matthew 23. It is the religious leaders who get the harshest treatment. And Jesus interacted with a lot of bad guys in his life. Um, Tax collectors were some of the most hated. They represented the Roman Empire. They enforced taxes that were very much hated by the people who had been conquered by the Romans and now had to pay tax. That's adding insult to injury. And yet, Jesus invited the tax collectors to learn from him, to follow him. And at least one time, he even paid taxes. But the religious leaders, man, they get the harsh treatment. Um, another class of people that Jesus runs in, runs into fairly often, um, in the new Testament is the prostitutes. Um, and 
you know, Jesus associated with them and he didn't seem to criticize them really any more than to say, go and sin no more. There's a the famous story from John chapter eight, and they bring a woman who's um, not necessarily a prostitute, but she was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus for his judgment. Um, and Jesus basically says, hey, don't do that. <laughs> um, and that's it. But in Matthew 23 here, he has an entire chapter against the religious leaders. And I think it's interesting. Um, of course, there are exceptions to this. I'm thinking about Nicodemus in particular. In John's gospel, um, we learn about Nicodemus, who was one of the religious leaders that Jesus is going to address here. He was a Pharisee and Jesus welcomed him and talked with him. Jesus answered his questions. We have no record of Jesus condemning him. And I think, you know, what was the difference between those things? Uh, um, we see that, that Jesus was not against the religious leaders just because they were the religious leaders. He wasn't trying to take them down in order to build himself up. Um, it appears that he was against them because of the things uh, that they did that were not consistent with the things they were teaching or the things that they were supposed to be. And we see throughout the Gospels that, that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they'd already made up their minds about who Jesus was and who Jesus should be. So much so that they really couldn't recognize Jesus for who he actually was as the Messiah. So we see through the Gospels, they had already made their minds up about who Jesus would and should be so that they couldn't recognize who Jesus actually was. Whenever we make religion more about doing the right things and less about Jesus himself, we are in real danger of missing it. So I am going to read this text. It's an entire chapter. I want you to listen to it and ask the question, uh, in what ways might I be holding on to religious rules instead of Jesus himself? All right. Matthew 23, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are, are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher. And all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cross land and sea to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. Blind guides. What sorrow awaits you? 
For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, what is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind! For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law, but you will kill some by crucifixion and you will flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time, from the murder of righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth. This judgment will fall on this very generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her cheeks, chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate, for I tell you this. You will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, that's a pretty great pick-me-up for the day, isn't it? Um, as Jesus just continues, you, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And I think um, it invites me to ask the question, am I a religious leader? I'd like to think I'm one of the disciples in this story. Um, am I? I don't know. 
I, I work for a church and I lead worship every Sunday. So I guess by definition, that makes me a religious leader. Um, Jesus had very specific charges against the religious leaders of his day. And I wonder what he would say to us specifically if Matthew 23 was set. It was about us in 2022. I know that I, for one, um, I want to really stay open to Jesus and his teaching and his correction. Uh, even if there are things that I do that he doesn't like, I'd like to know about them so that I can change them or, or rather so that I can ask him to change me. Um, this is challenging stuff. And, you know, faith isn't always about just feeling good about ourselves because we're on the right team and cheering, go get them, Jesus. Sometimes it's about being uncomfortable and it's about being challenged with hard questions. So I'll say it again. When we hold on to religious rules more than we hold on to Jesus, we are in danger of losing sight of what's most important and we are in need of some correction. Let's just pray together. God, um, I don't want to be a blind guide. I don't want to be a blind fool. Um, I, I want to be the one who asks you questions. Uh, I want to be the one who wants to understand. I want to be the one who wants to know you more, not the one who misses you entirely. Um, I don't want to be the one who's already got my mind made up and I miss who you are and what you're doing. So, um, for us, uh, today, us good religious church folk who are listening to a Bible podcast, God, may we not miss you. Um, may we not, uh, may we not miss what you're calling us to and who you are. Uh, help us to see you, help us to know you today so that we can help others and lead others to do the same in your name. Amen.